Okay, if you have a Bible, let's go to um, the book of Esther, chapter 4. If you do not have a Bible, we give them away for free. You can get one at the end of the service right up here at the front. Or um, you can go back to the next step room. We've got them back there. They're free. If you have a mobile device and you don't have the Bible on your mobile device yet, go to corechurch.com. You can download the Bible there. I'm, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation now. While you're looking up Esther, which is in the Old Testament, this is pre-Jesus, so Jesus has not been born. This is uh, way before Jesus came on the scene. And let me give you some background if you don't know the story of Esther. Esther was an orphan, and she was adopted by her cousin, a guy named Mordecai, and he raised her from a little girl. And then uh, um, a story I won't go into, but there became an opening for the queen of Persia. That's putting it lightly, but there became an opening. And they had this beauty pageant across um, the... uh across the whole kingdom to see who would be the next queen. She wins the beauty contest. She ends up becoming queen. And then out of nowhere, uh, because of a guy who hates Mordecai, suddenly this man who is a part of the government decides he wants to get rid of all of the Jews. Okay? It's Nazi Germany all over again. This is Nazi Germany, pre-Nazi Germany, and they're going to put all the Jews to death. There's been a decree issued, and all the Jews are going to be killed. And Mordecai becomes very distraught about this, and he knows Esther is, is queen. She can do something about it. So he, he goes to Esther. He begins to talk to her about it, but she's a little uncomfortable about it because she's the queen, and if she goes to the king, she could lose her life. And after all, she worked real hard to get to that position. And she's wrestling with this idea of, do I get involved? And we pick it up in chapter four. Let's go to chapter four. And in verse 13, if you would stand and let's read the word of God together. Esther chapter four, and starting in verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews, it will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives, they will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. And then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and my maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the worship that we are experiencing today throughout this um, body of believers. And and we want to ask that in these moments that we have to hear from your word, this is your precious word you've given to us And we don't want to take it lightly, but so we need you to speak to us. So I thank you for your Holy Spirit and ask your Holy Spirit to fall on this place right now and inhabit every believer. And those who are non-believers, I pray you'd open their eyes so they can understand who Jesus is and and the purpose that you have for their their life. And church, I want to ask you to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for those around you. And pray for me as your pastor. Pray that I'm going to be faithful. I I want to say only what God wants us to hear today through his word. And if you're ready to hear from God's word in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. What in the world am I doing? That, That is a question we all ask ourselves at various times, do we not? Like when you're in the middle of a do it yourself project. And you're like putting up a ceiling fan or you're you got half the tiles of the kitchen floor off, or you're ripping the rug up in the middle of that, you're like, what in the world am I doing? 
Why, why, what's going on? Or maybe you're at, uh, you ever been to Dripping Springs, Grand Lake, up on the cliffs, 60 feet up in the air, with a bunch of drunk people in their boats going, you can do it, jump, jump, jump. And you're up there and you're like, what in the world am I doing? Or, or maybe this happened to you this week, uh, and not that this would have happened ever to me, but some guy cuts you off in traffic as you're getting onto Highway 169, and you ain't putting up with that, and so you come up behind him, but he gets going faster. Next thing you know, you're going 85 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic, and you come up behind him, and out of, out of nowhere, you're like, oh, what in the world am I doing? I, I've had moments like that in my life. Probably one of the biggest moments for me was uh, way back when I worked at Z104.5, and I did the morning show there, and we were um, raising awareness about the homeless situation in our city, and there was a group of people that asked if I would participate in that and help raise awareness for that, and raising money, and then canned food items for underprivileged families, and I was like, yeah, absolutely, that's amazing, and I love doing that kind of stuff, and And I did the morning show there, and so I thought this would be great. And so I came up with this idea that I would go homeless for 24 hours. Uh, man, that's a cool idea. So I'll go, I'll just live on the streets. And and honestly, Laura was like, that's a really bad idea. No, that's not not safe. And so I started thinking through that, and I I don't remember where I got this idea, but I was like, I really want to raise awareness. I really want to help this organization and really let people know about it. And we had the billboard at Sheridan and the Broken Arrow Expressway. Z104.5, crank that puppy up. Back that old blue and pink logo that we had. So gorgeous. And, and so I got this idea, hey, what if I went and lived on that billboard for 24 hours? Yeah, you're already ahead of me, aren't you? So uh, I should have known when, the, uh, when Stokely Out- Outdoor Advertising said, you'll need to sign this release form and this release form and this release form. I mean, I signed like 20 release forms. And, um, and when you drive by the Broken Air Expressway, it's the Coca-Cola billboard. It's a triangle billboard. When you drive by there, it looks like it's like 20 feet off the ground. It's not. It's way way up there. And and so the day came and I started to climb up the billboard. And when I climbed up the billboard, I didn't realize I wouldn't climb right up and just sit right down. It was a triangle billboard. So I had to climb around the billboard. And so I'm climbing around one and it was like walking the plank, you know, had one hand here and another hand here. And I was just basically like, Jesus, help me now. Jesus, yes, Lord. I was worshiping right there. And I walk around, and I get to the side, and I sit down on the edge of this billboard, and I'm looking down, and it's like 50 feet down, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I doing? I look over right here. They had, this is how stupid this idea was. They, they had built me this metal frame because at night they knew I might want to sleep, and I, if I slept, they didn't want me rolling off the billboard. What in the world am I doing? Now, another thing I didn't think through is when I was up there and I was broadcasting live that I was going to be on this billboard for 24 hours. Some of you already going there. You know what I wasn't thinking about at the time, and I was like, oh, this is not good. And so uh, I had this bucket that we were lowering down that they put money in, and somebody, somebody brought me by a Folgers can. <laughs> that had to be an angel. Uh, I was unaware. It was an angel that brought me. And that, that's just, we just have moments like that in our life, don't we, where we're like, what in the world am I doing? And I think the same thing happens to us in life. 
we, we look at our, our lives and we were just like, what in the world am I doing? And what compounds the problem as a follower of Jesus is you've probably heard this if you've been in church for any amount of time is, you know, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And you'd be like, yeah, it'd be nice if he'd tell me. Or you've heard the phrase, God's will. How many of you ever struggled trying to know God's will for your life? Look around, hands up, look around. All right, those who have their hands down, we're gonna see you after service so you can explain it to us. Come on up, I'll give you the microphone. Uh, I mean, we all just, we just struggle with that. So here's what we're gonna do for the next five weeks. We're gonna talk about it. What in the world am I doing? And I, and I believe what we're gonna unwrap in the next five weeks is, is going to absolutely change your life. I, I believe that strongly. It is going to radically alter the course of some of your lives. Some of you are going to awaken to the cause that you, that you need. Some of you are, are going to figure out that you're already living your cause and your purpose and the perfect will of God, and you didn't even know it. Like you're walking it out every day, and you don't even know it. And some of you are going to do a 180, and you're going to switch, and you're going to start heading in a completely different direction because God's going to awaken you to what he's created you to be. That's why we've created this assessment. You can go online. I want to encourage you. This, this will not work in the next five weeks if you just come sit in the seat and do nothing about it. you got to take the assessment. The staff has gone through it. I've been through it twice because uh, I couldn't figure it out the first time, so I had to go through it a second time. That's for some of you. When you do it, you'll have to go through it a second time. Our advisory board leaders are all going through it right now. Our core groups, if you're not in a core group, you need to get in a core group. We'll put you in one, fill out a next step card, put on their core group. We'll get you in one because the best place to do the assessment is with other people. Like you take it, you talk to friends, you talk to people that know you, and they're going to be able to help you with that. So here's what's going to happen in the next five weeks. We're going to talk about these five things. Cause breaks up, C-A-U-S-E. Today we're going to talk about C here in just a moment. Next week we're going to talk about A for abilities. God has given you natural talents and abilities. You don't believe it, but God has. And we're going to talk about those abilities next week. You, for you be you. We're going to talk about the personality God has given to you. You act the way you act. Your kids act the way they act. Your friends act the way they act because of their personality. So we're going to be talking about that here in, in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about S, spiritual gifts. When you are reborn into the kingdom of God, God births in you spiritual gifts. When you became a follower of Jesus, your spiritual gifts were awakened within you, and you just got to discover them. And then finally, we'll look at E, which stands for experiences. We've all had good experiences. We've all had bad experiences in our lives. And God wants to redeem those for his good. So we'll be talking about that, but let's talk about today. Today we're going to talk about C. The letter C, if you want to write this down, the letter C stands for compassion. Compassion. We're going to talk about compassion today. It's one of our core values. We exist to love the world through compassion. So here's the question we're going to, we're going to wrestle with for the next few minutes that I want you to write down. What mess in the world messes with me? What mess in the world messes with me? April 17th, 474 BC, there was a decree issued to annihilate the Jews, and that mess messed up Mordecai. Let's look back at chapter 4, and let's go all the way back to verse 1, Esther 4 and verse 1. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, the, the decree that had been issued, he tore his clothes, he put on burlap, and, 
and ashes, and he, and he went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. In, in other words, when, when Mordecai heard about this, it messed him up. It jacked him up. It, 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 he was distraught over it. It says he was weeping over it. He began to fast over it. It kept him up at night. He was just completely torn up and upset over what is taking place. And then, here's the key, he sets out to do something about it. Here's the thing. You, you don't have to look very far in this world to see that there is great pain and suffering. I mean, just this past week, a tornado ripped through Tulsa and Owasso area, leaving people without homes and losing their belongings. Across the ocean, there's the refugee crisis that's taking place. The Syrians are leaving. People are, are afraid for their lives, and, and ISIS is moving in and slaughtering Christians and men and women and, and, and children. There's homelessness. There's poverty. I... Go to your school, and the girl sitting next to you in that chair in class is cutting herself. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and you have a coworker that's going through a horrific and awful divorce. There is pain, and there is suffering in this world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we, as followers of Jesus, are called to take the hope of Jesus into the pain and the suffering of this world. That's a really good place to say amen, put your hands together and say, that's who we are. That's who we are. Turn to somebody and say, that's who we are. There is pain, there is suffering in this world. We have the answer. And his name is... Yeah, his name is Jesus. We have the answer for what the world needs. And like Mordecai, we are called to go into that pain and suffering. But if we're honest, man, it it can be just frustrating trying to figure that out. Like what pain and suffering am I supposed to have? There's a lot of pain and suffering. Which one am I supposed to answer which one am I supposed to help with? Is, is it all of them? Am I supposed to be doing every, everything? I don't have that much time. So that we get frustrated and we do nothing. Instead of doing at least something, we do, we do nothing. And we're talking about this idea of God putting a purpose and in your life, that he has a plan, he has his will, he has this cause for you. And so the question that every single person in this room is asking right now or has asked before is, So what's mine? What's mine? How do I, because when Teresa talked, I can get all fired up about that. How do I get fired up like that? How do I figure out what that is where I would give my life to something like, how do I figure that out? Well, we want to take a few minutes, and I want us to talk about that. Because if we're honest, it's just, it's frustrating. Honestly, it feels like a spiritual scavenger hunt sometimes, doesn't it? Like, I hate, I hate scavenger hunts. I don't know if you like scavenger hunts. I know you can pay and sign up to do them. I don't know why anybody would pay money to go on a, a hunt with some clue that you have no idea what they're talking about. But this is how I go on scavenger hunts. I'm always, like, they've solved the scavenger hunt, and I'm still stuck at the mall kiosk, you know, looking for something that's bigger than a bee and bounces higher than a ball. I'm like, I don't know. 
I mean, he says, I don't like scavenger hunts. They're just frustrating. Don't ask me to participate in one. I'm not going to do one. I don't like them. But I know some people, they, they love them, but I don't. And as followers of Jesus, sometimes finding God's will, his purpose, his cause for your life can feel like this, this spiritual scavenger hunt that you're on. Like you're, you're, There's all these mystic clues. Everybody else has figured out their cause and their purpose and their meaning in life. And here you are way back at the mall kiosk trying to figure it out. And you don't know what God's will is for you. Well, to discover it, I want us to start with a simple question. Because here's the problem. Here's what happens to almost all of us is we get paralyzed and we do nothing. It becomes overwhelming. I promise you, I promise you this. Pay attention here. Listen to this. You're going to go online. You're going to look at this cause assessment. And you're going to give up. Because it's going to overwhelm you. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. And so we get paralyzed and we do nothing. And I want to challenge you today to just begin, to just say, all right, I'm going to, I don't have it all figured out. I, I, this is what I promise you. You will not figure out your cause in the next 30 minutes. You will not figure out your cause in the next five weeks. Now, granted, a small percentage of you will, and we applaud you. We congratulate you. That's awesome that an angel, told you, but for the rest of us, it could take a decade before you figure it out. And so you get paralyzed and you do nothing. And what God is calling us as followers of Jesus to do is just to take one step. So here's the first step I want you to take. I want you to begin by asking that question that I asked you to write down earlier, and this is it. What mess in this world messes with me? What mess in this world messes with me. There's, there's an injustice. There's suffering. There's, there's, there's a problem. In, in, there's, there's a wrong that needs to be righted in this world. What is it that messes with you? It, like Mordecai here, what we see in, in Mordecai is Mordecai is just stirred up with emotions and, and it's burning inside of him. Like, what is it that burns inside of you? What is it that you get emotional about? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that angers you? What, what is it? Because, I mean, this is the thing. When you discover what your cause is, what's going to happen to you is this. You're going to look around, and nobody else is upset about it. And that upsets you. Why isn't anybody else jacked up about this? Why isn't anybody else talking about it? Why won't anybody else get involved? Here's the thing I want to know. Because it's yours. Because God tapped you on the shoulder and said, this is yours. That's not theirs. It's, it's yours. And what's awesome is as you begin to discover it, as you begin to look around, you'll begin to find other people that feel the, the same way about it. Here's what compassion is. The definition for compassion, and I'd like for you to write this down, compassion comes from two basically Latin words that were put together, and it means this, to come together and suffer with someone. Compassion, two words brought together that simply mean to come together and suffer with someone. Isn't this what Jesus did? Isn't this what we saw last week in Scripture, that Jesus entered into our, our suffering? 
Last week, if you were here for Easter, I talked about Jesus came to show us a picture of God, and one of those was compassion. God entering into our suffering, suffering with us. Like the story of the guy, do you remember the story I told last week about the the man in the graveyard? Nobody else would go in the graveyard, but what did Jesus do? His boat landed, he could have gone into the city, but he went into the graveyard to the guy that was a lunatic, that was demon-possessed, and he entered into the suffering with that man. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to do the same. Enter into suffering with others. The gospel, according to America, is jacked up. Because what we have in America, our Americanized Christianity, we try to get as far away from suffering as we can. I, I don't, I don't want to suffer. I don't want any pain. I don't want any problems. So anybody that's got problems or is jacked up, get away from me. I got to be around positive people all the time. And I'm all for positive people, okay? I think you need to be around positive people. But we end up keeping the suffering of the world at arm's length because we want to be away from suffering. And Jesus calls us as followers to enter into suffering in the same way that he did, in the same way that, that Mordecai in this story does. Bill Hybels is a pastor in Chicago, and Bill Hybels calls it your holy discontent. Such a great phrase. I love that. You're wholly discontent. In, in other words, there's a discontentment that was placed in you by God. Let me, let me give you an example of this. My, my holy discontent, my, my cause, which is not going to be your cause. You're not even going to understand my cause. Cheesy church. So you don't even understand. And that upsets me that you don't understand. Because I, I get so frustrated and bent out of shape and upside down whenever I go into poorly run churches. When I go into churches that are just doing things, just if your only church experience is, is core church, man, congratulations. Man, that is awesome for you. Because it wasn't always like this, and it isn't like this at every church. Okay, there's a reason why we do church the way that we do it. it, it to understand, here's what, what cheesy church is like. And some of you grew up in cheesy church. And, and, and cheesy church is like this. Like you walk in and, and you sit down and, and the music is um, like a bad Branson breakfast show. You know, like the guy who's leading worship. Is that Burt Reynolds from Smokey and the Bandit? Is that who that is? He's like, seriously, this is not happening. You know, you're like, hey, buddy. We're supposed to be alleviating the pain and suffering of this world, not inflicting it. I mean, it's just, you know, listen, it's always throwback Thursday at these churches. I mean, it's just, and it's, it's not getting under your skin like it gets under my skin. Laura and I went to see a Christian movie. It's a whole nother discontent of mine. I, I won't go down that road. I don't have enough time for, for that one. But um, I, I watched this Christian movie this week, and we were doing it on our date, and it was Frankly, a very, very good movie. I mean, I was like, wow, great meaning. I almost cried. Laura did cry. I held back my tears. Story was phenomenal, gripped me. Except for the cheesy church scene. They got the preacher and his tie is tied to here. It's a paisley tie that's this wide. He's balding on top and they got a fern on stage. I'm like, no, no. 
And so we come out of this movie, and Laura's like, oh, it was such a beautiful movie with such a wholesome meaning. I'm like, did you not see the church? Did you not? Why did they do that? I mean, it's whenever I go to a poorly run church, a cheesy church, the staff, my wife, and my kids, they scatter. They go on vacation, okay? They're like, oh, you're going to that church. I'll be gone next week. I'm taking some time off because it gets under my skin. So my question is, what is it? Because I can see in your eyes, you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand because it's not your cause. It's not what God's lit you up about. It's the reason we started this church 15 years ago. I didn't know that. All I knew is I wanted to do church differently. Why? Because people are dying and going to hell, and I don't want them to go there. Because I want them to know they can have hope. I want them to know that they can be forgiven. I want them to know that they don't just get life in heaven, but you can have life now. And when they walk into a cheesy church, they're like, is this a funeral? What is this? Is this, this is not heaven. If this is heaven, I am out. I am out. <laughs> Come on, you've been there. It's why if you go back to our kids' ministry, it's done with excellence. It's why when they're back there, they have a great time and they learn, Jesus loves me. You go to our youth ministry on Wednesday nights, it's done with excellence. Talk to Jody, talk to Eric, who are on staff and run those ministries, and ask them how demanding I am on them. Ask Daniel, ask Jen, ask Sybil, ask my wife, how demanding as a, as a pastor I am on them. High standards, high level of excellence. I won't put up with anything but that. Why? Because I know every week somebody's walking in and they're making a call on whether they're going to follow Jesus and they're looking around and I want to make sure we're giving it our best shot. And this is what I love. Our church is doing that. Like, we're doing that. Like, I'm standing down there, and I'm listening to this music and this worship, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is incredible. I walk back in our kids' ministry this morning. I'm like, man, this is amazing. What's happening? I'm excited. You you didn't do that. Maybe you did, but not to the level that I did, because that's mine. So what's yours? What is it that upsets you? What is it that angers you? Is it foster care? Is it? Homelessness, is it? It's my daughter's. My daughter's is homelessness. We go down to Nightlight Tulsa, and that's all she'll talk about. She'll talk about it weeks before. She'll talk about it weeks after. That's all she talks about is doing that. I remember one time we were talking to somebody, and they were talking about the homeless people that were living behind a retail establishment. They were all upset about the homeless people living behind that retail establishment. Man, my little 17-year-old redheaded spitfire girl looks at them and says, well, where do you think they're going to go? Where are you going to put them? You know, they're a human being, right? I'm like, you go, girl. We'll take a step back. That's not mine. I mean, I care about the homeless in in our community. I want to see them taken care of, but it's not mine, but it's hers. So so what is yours? Because God's speaking. You might be saying, man, Brad, I I don't have it. I don't have my holy discontent. I don't know what, I, I just don't, I don't man, I'm just frustrated right now because, Brad, I can't think of what upsets me or what angers me. Here's what I'm just challenging you to do. Get your head up, start looking around, and start listening. Because you, you'll, you'll figure it out. When you go to school tomorrow, listen. Listen to your classmates. Listen to your teacher. Listen to what's happening. When you get to work, listen to your coworker. Listen to what your organization is involved in, the difference that they're making. When you watch the news, what is it on the news that carries with you the next day to work? 
Like you, you, weeks later, you're still thinking about that, that story on the news. Nobody else is thinking about it, but you, you're thinking about it. Could it be that God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, that's yours? I'm awakening you, and I want you, that's yours. This is why doing the assessment is so important. Taking that card, going online, and wrestling with your holy discontent and trying to figure that out. God, what is it you put in me? You're not going to figure it out in 10 minutes. You're not going to figure it out maybe even 10 weeks. It might take you 10 years, but you, you take the steps and you begin moving in that direction. So here's Mordecai. He finds his holy discontent. He takes action, and he goes to Esther, but Esther hesitates. And then Mordecai, he sends this warning, and I think it's the same warning God is giving to us today in verse 13. I believe this is not just Mordecai speaking to Esther, but it's God speaking to us. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. Let me say it another way. Don't think for a moment that because you live in the suburbs, you will escape. Come on now. We're in the suburbs. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews, it's going to arise from some other place. But you and your relatives, they will die. Who knows? Listen, this is what God's speaking over you today. Who knows if perhaps you, put your name in there. Who knows if perhaps Ruth, who knows if perhaps Bobby, who knows if perhaps Kelly, who knows if perhaps Linda, who knows if perhaps Tommy. I mean, put your name in there. Who knows if perhaps you were made for just such a time as this. For Esther, it just, honestly, come on, she's won the beauty pageant. She's queen. It'd just be easier, maybe even safer to just hide out in, in the palace. And, man, it is easy. It is easy to hide out in the suburbs far from the cries of this world. It's just easier to do that. Like, like it's, easy, it's easy to ignore a crying baby, isn't it? It's easy to ignore a crying baby across town in somebody else's house. But if you're in that house, now, come on, you all fake sleep. You know that. You're like, oh, I didn't hear it. Was the, was the baby crying? <laughs> I, did, I didn't. Oh, you got, you got him? Okay, good, good. Oh, good. I'm sorry. I was just, I'm just a sound sleeper. I don't know why I didn't hear that. <laughs> But you're not going to ignore the cries of that baby as long as you know that baby's really hurting. You're going to get up. You're going to do something. Why? Because you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. In this moment, what Mordecai is saying to Esther is, these are your people. You're a Jew. You have a responsibility to them. And I believe what God is saying to us is this. You have a responsibility. You don't believe me? Look at Matthew 25. Come on, somebody. Write that down. Matthew 25. That's good preaching, and that'll carry you for a long time. Matthew 25. If you wonder if you have a responsibility, you do. We will all be held accountable by Jesus for what we do and what we don't do. Read that. It'll jack you up. Here's what God says to all of us. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance is going to arise from some other place. Why? Because God is compassionate. God is merciful. God is loving. He will answer the cries of the injustice of this world. But he wants you to be the one to do that. He's calling on you, and he's calling on me to do that, and we have that responsibility. And I love this. Esther, she embraces her cause, and she becomes willing to suffer with her people who suffer. In verse 16, just some simple words, if I must die, I must die. That's compassion. Coming together 
to suffer with and for someone. And these are the words of our Savior. These are the words of Jesus before he went to that cross. He came, he left heaven's throne, he entered into our suffering, and he said, if I must die, I must die. And it's our call. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's your call. It's, it's my call. We are called to take the hope of Jesus into the pain and suffering of this world. And to do that, you're gonna have to die to yourself. There's no other way. There's no other way you'll do it unless you die to yourself. So what mess in the world messes with me? Would you bow your heads? Think about that question for just a moment. What mess in this world messes with me? God, in this moment, we humble ourselves and ask your Holy Spirit to come and to speak to each of us. And what is our next step? What is our next step? Think now, church, what's your next step? If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you've identified an area of your life. I need to surrender. I got to surrender myself. I got to put myself on the altar and surrender that to God. And I need the Holy Spirit to consume me and to own me. If, if that's you today and you say, I'm just willing to surrender and go and do and be whatever God is calling me to be, this is your moment of surrender. Would you lift your hand up so I can see you? Put your hand up. You say, this is my moment. I'm gonna, I am going to embrace my cause to the best of my ability. Whatever God has for me, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to answer it. God, you see these hands that are raised across this auditorium. I pray in the coming weeks you begin to speak to them boldly and loudly the cause that you have before them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, God. And I pray, God, that you would just take themselves, their own selfish, sinful nature, and crucify, God, the passions and the desires of that to your cross and make them new once again. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you can never know what God has for you until you take that first step of placing your faith in him. God did come as Jesus, the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered and died for your sins and mine. It begins to discover your cause. It begins with a relationship with Jesus. It's saying, I know I'm a sinner, and I need God to forgive me. And the promise of the scriptures are that he does forgive us if we confess our sins to him. And when you ask for forgiveness, he comes in. He invades you with his Holy Spirit. And he says, I then take residence in your life and I will begin to help you to discover what I created you to be. So today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've been away from him for a very long time, you say, I want to come back. I want to come back to him. I want you just to raise your hand. I won't embarrass you, call you out. I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. Would you raise your hand? I've been, thank you, thank you. On the sides, I see you. Over here on the side near the front, I see you. Anybody else? I've been away from God for a long time, and I'm coming back to him. Over here on the side in the middle, got you there. Here in the front, I see you. Anyone else? I don't want to miss anybody. Okay, you can put your hands down. God, for those who are taking this step now, to confess you as Lord and Savior, those who are doing it for the first time and those who are coming back to you, God, invade their soul right now. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit upon them that they would know their sins are forgiven, remembered no more. They're gone. As they confess them, you say, I take it away and I'm taking up residence in your soul now and now I'm gonna teach you my ways and I am gonna show you the purposes that I have for your life. I wanna ask you with all heads bowed, maybe today, 
you're a follower of Jesus and you have some friends that are far from God and you want us to remember them in prayer, would you raise your hand? You got some friends that are far from God. God, you see these hands up and I pray you would call your people out of the seats. Give them the, equip them, God. Equip them with the power to reach their friends. Help them to be bold. Give them opportunities this week where they can speak into the lives of the people that you placed on their lives, these faces and these names that you put into them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a big hand clap for what he's doing today.